Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody here. We're so thankful that you're here as always. We're in for a treat this morning. We're, uh, we're going to talk to a family who has been through just crazy stuff, more than one crazy thing over the past year. And it's such a blessing that they've agreed to, uh, to be with us this morning. Um, Tony Simmons, he is the guy who prepares all of our speakers for, for Sunday. He plans the schedule for the Sundays during this interim period. And Tony bathes everything in prayer, everything that he does for this church and for his life. And um, Tony told me, he said, I was praying for the Mother's Day service. And he said, God just kept putting one family on my heart, and it was the Cunninghams. And he said, I just, I could not get that name out of my mind. And he said, I just thought they would be perfect to tell their story of the past year through all this pandemic uh, for Mother's Day. And so we asked the Cunninghams, and they have graciously agreed to do this. So we really appreciate uh, their willingness to, to share what's going on in their lives. You know, this is our second Mother's Day in the pandemic. It's been kind of tough. It's good that re restrictions are being li uh, lifted, and it's good that we can be together. Um, let me introduce uh, the, the Cunningham family to you, and I'm going to start right here, third in. This is Nancy Clemens. Nancy is the matriarch of this family. <laughs> Three generations of mothers here. Nancy is so involved with our senior saints uh, ministry. She does so much. Nancy's daughter is Marcia Cunningham and her husband, Mike, and then their daughters are here with us, too. Uh, Emily goes to church here, Emily and Ryan Johnson, you know, right here. And then from Indiana, their daughter, Jessica, and her husband, Ben, these are the Gerbers. So let's welcome them and just thank you for being here. There's a fourth generation on the way, so don't worry, okay? It's filling this pew right here. And and it looks like the Barnhill ladies are, are taking charge of them. We'll meet them in just a second. I'm going to start off with our discussion this morning uh, just by asking uh, Ryan and Emily, y'all were the first ones to kind of show up in Franklin. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, maybe uh, how you're met, a little bit about your family, and then introduce your children to us. <laughs> Number eight. Hello, testing. Marcia, is your turn? Hello. <laughs> yeah, let's use that one. Okay. I'm Emily. This is Ryan. Uh, we met at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, we, we were friends there, but we didn't start dating until after. Our lives kind of took a different path. He was with the Ranger Regiment in Fort Benning, Georgia. I was a nurse at Vanderbilt, and we ended up getting married three or four years later, and we've got four children. Walker is eight, Ella and Lainey are six, Wyatt is four, and now I stay at home, and Ryan uh, is an accountant, CPA at LDMC, and my latest uh, adventure is homeschooling this year. I'm going to have you pass it on down to Jessica, and I'm going to ask Jessica the same question. Tell us a little bit about your family your background. Um, well, I'm Jessica, this is Ben, and we also met at Harding. 
and uh, we, we got married and moved to California for a period of time and then moved back this way and ended up in Indiana. That's where Ben is from. And we have three children. Sunny is seven and Evie is five. And then we have little Merritt is two. Great. Yeah. That's right. Thank you for yeah. that. I'm going to have you pass it, uh, the microphone down here. To, I, I call her, Mike calls her grandma. And so I've gotten to where I call her grandma too. But Nancy Clemens. Nancy, uh, tell us when you moved to Nashville, why you moved to Nashville, who all came with you when you yeah. came. This was a real blessing. You know, God works in ways that we have not even imagined or hoped for. And six years ago, Marcia decided that she wanted to move to uh, Nashville. Jesse was way out in California. That was kind of not too far, I guess. And so she said, I want to move to Nashville to be with the grandchildren, but we won't leave without you, and meaning my husband and I. And my sweet husband said, well, got nothing else to do. Let's go with them. <laughs> so that's how we ended up here and, with, and how we ended up at this wonderful, wonderful body of Christ. Because Emily and Ryan were already established in your, in your sweet church here, and um, that's the that's basically what I, I why I moved here. And my husband passed away seven weeks or after we moved here. So uh, today it would have been seven weeks ago on May the 9th. Oh, and wow. he's he's here in spirit. Just <laughs> Loving every minute of his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Can you imagine? God allowed me to live four generations. Oh, oh, generation unto generation. That's what the Bible tells us. Thanks, Nancy. Um, I want to read a scripture before uh, Mike and, and Marcia speak. It's from Philippians. And you know, when you go through tough things in life, you, there's this, you, it's easy to be anxious. It's easy to worry. It's, e it's easy to wonder, is God really going to answer my prayer? Um, so listen to what he tells us in Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mike, when y'all left Columbus, Ohio, and came to Franklin, Tennessee, what, what were you thinking? What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was a carpenter for a company 35 years, and my wife said I'd like to move, and I'm thinking to a new house. And she said to uh, Tennessee, I was like, oh, that's a new career. <laughs> so I didn't want to start all over working for somebody, so I ended up working for myself, and it's been a great thing. We, we have never regretted moving here, it's been wonderful. Uh, initially, you know, just wanted to be around family and, and be around all our grandchildren, and, and then getting to know you in this church has really been a blessing to our lives, so very thankful. M Mike went to Harding as well, and he, you know, he spent time as an elder in Columbus, He's been, they've been faithful to every church that they've ever been at, including this church. And the most gregarious guy you will ever meet. 
He loves people, and he loves to talk. So if you don't know Michael, well, get to know him. All right, Marcia, I want to talk to you a lot. Give us a little bit of your background, and then kind of introduce us into some of the health issues that you had years ago with your heart. Well, um, I'm a respiratory therapist, and I have worked in and out of hospitals and home care for 30-plus years. And, um, and I was diagnosed with heart failure, cardiomyopathy, in 2004, and really didn't feel that bad, though my heart function was really poor at the time of di being diagnosed. And I pretty much lived a normal life. I did what I wanted to do, it, even though my heart function was really bad. It didn't slow me down that much. In fact, like seven years ago, about seven years ago, I climbed Mount Shasta to 11,000 feet approximately with Ben, and I hiked, backpacked the Pacific Crest Trail with Jessica for four days. Um, you know, it wasn't easy, <laughs> but I wanted to do it, and so I, so I just set my mind to it, and I did it. And and there's been bumps along the road, health issues. I had a pacemaker defibrillator, and and unfortunately, my defibrillator had fired a couple times, and that's not pleasant. If anybody's <laughs> done that, has that happened to them, or been with somebody that this happened to, it's kind of like a you've been kicked in the chest by a horse. But um, so there's been some bumps along the way with that, but. I um, just kind of rolled with the punches and kept working. And in fact, um, I worked three 12-hour shifts, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before I was admitted to the hospital. I went to the doctor on Monday after those three 12-hour shifts. And she was like, oh my goodness, you, you're going to the hospital. And I said, no, we can just treat it at home. And <laughs> she's like, no, you need to go, and we need to discuss heart transplants. And Mike was with me, and I was like, no. <laughs> no, I just kept saying, no, no. And we can do it at home. We can, we can fix this at home with medication, you know. And he was like, no, <laughs> no to you. You're go you have to go to the hospital. And the comical story, Mike doesn't let me tell this, but... He just dropped me off at the front door at St. Thomas Midtown. <laughs> he had to go get his tools. <laughs> so I walked in and checked myself in and didn't come home. <laughs> so, he, but he Mike, didn't come. Mike also had her staying in the deck a, a week or two before all this went down. Yeah. <laughs> he, he called me home from Stephanie's, told me I had to come. I had to come home, stay in the deck. <laughs> A week before, so, um, and I did. <laughs> I was a little short of breath, but I did. <laughs> but um, it just leads me back to that path that six years, it kind of circled back around. Six years ago when we came here, Emily gave me a plaque that said, um, for I know the plan. And little did I know at that time, I was like, well, the plan, you know, this is a whole new journey. I've never moved ever in my life you know, off the street where I lived all my life. And so 
for I know the plan, but little did I know, and I believe now that along the way there are signs that, you know, why did I just wake up in the middle of the night and in bed say, you know, there, I, I need a change, we, we need to move. Um, and then we moved, and as the, the verse goes, for I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to protect you and give you hope in a future. And in that, and in that plan that I moved to a city that has the, um, the nation's leading hospital and heart transplant, and that I would be at one of the best hospitals that you could be in to have that. My journey started at St. Thomas, but my insurance wouldn't prove, approve it for St. Thomas, so I was transferred to Vanderbilt. And um, it, just unbelievable care there and the process. And I came home between St. Thomas and Vanderbilt. I came home for six days on uh, IV therapy, an IV that, um, that I probably couldn't have lived without having it. And it was continuous at home. And, and it seemed like... Um, Things were not moving, but in the big picture, they moved really fast, and I was really blessed in the whole process of this of this um, transplant because there are so many people who um, is months and months and months and years, and um, I was in and out of the hospital in 41 days, so that's pretty fast for everything. And the day before, or the morning, I was going to Vanderbilt to have tests done. And, and from that point I was admitted, but um, mom was reading us her daily devotion to us on her little flip cards that she gets. <laughs> and um, she shares them every day with you, whether you're ready to listen or not. She, she, <laughs> no, she <laughs> and the newspaper, and, and everything, and her, and her Bible verses. And so um, the Bible verse was, I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you and remove your heart of stone. And my heart, my heart literally was a heart of stone and needed to be removed and a new heart put in, and it's from Ezekiel. And then, you know, things moved, how blessed we were in the fact that things really did move quick, that the, the doctor that I had at St. Thomas was once the head of transplant and heart failure at Vanderbilt. She connected. Um, us with the head of the department at Vanderbilt and gave personal cell phone numbers and called ahead and made them aware of my case where we could have been so lost in the system and um, you know so thankful we had prayers beyond measure um, the picture that you see Keith was there and the elders and the shepherds and and um, they came to my house, and we prayed. We're in the garage <laughs> there because of COVID, and because um, you know I was so susceptible. And we just kept our distance. But those uh, elders and families and friends that came uh, and and prayed was uh, just a real healing moment, and played a, a path, such a huge part in all of that. I'm going to stop you right there just a second. So she's at St. Thomas and has the go-ahead. In my understanding, there are seven levels 
you get to, you have to go through to get to level one where they say it may be too late for a heart transplant. And you were a four, five or four at St. Thomas, is that right? Right, I was around a four at St. Thomas yeah. when, I, when I got to Vanderbilt. And so, and so the insurance says we're not gonna pay at St. Thomas and so they transfer to Vanderbilt and now you gotta start all over. And she didn't have time to start all over. And bless their hearts, Jessica's a nurse and Emily's a nurse and Mike's a guy who doesn't like detail, okay? So these two daughters drove that process of getting their mom approved and they just bird dogged it, I guess is the way to say it, and, and got it done and made phone calls and explained medical terms to Mike and, and just smoothed the way for the entire process. So if it weren't for these two girls and their background and their love for their mom, it would not have moved as fast, plus the doctor at St. Thomas having all the connections. So you get to Vanderbilt, and tell me how you move from a four to a two, is that right? Yeah, I was moved up to a two. Um, when they saw me at Vanderbilt, they were, um, that doctor said that day when I was admitted, pretty much that your heart is actively dying right now. And, and that, you know, we probably need to admit you to the ICU, put a, put a balloon pump in, and um, being that we are, are the, you know, a leading hospital, we asked how long the wait would be, thinking it would be months and months. Um, he, t he gave us about two weeks, is what he said, approximately. We were surprised at that. We couldn't believe that. But he was like, well, you're, you're pretty sick. And I still can't, couldn't, and still can't. <laughs> I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Two weeks for a heart or two weeks to live? Or both? It was, yeah, it was weeks, months, yeah. Imminent, yeah. Um, so things moved pretty quickly. He, um, they moved me to the ICU. I had to go through a lot of preliminary testing. It still is not a guarantee, though they say you can be on a heart transplant list. You still have to pass lots of tests to make sure the rest of your body is healthy before you can receive a heart or any organ for transplant. So I had to go through those and that took about a week in the hospital. And during that week thing, Jessica was kind of with me that week where, you know, my heart was kind of spinning with bad arrhythmias and bad, you know, just scary moments where sleepless nights where alarms wouldn't stop alarming and, and then, and they both were here throughout. They would take turns and stay for, you know, a few days and switch out. And Jessica would come from out of state and stay. And Emily was there the week after transplant where my kidneys failed. And that was a crazy week. But um, before, before you get to the day they told you you're on the transplant list. Folks, we, if you remember, we prayed for Martian. We got down on our knees and we begged God to not only to act, but to act quickly. And that was not only happening here at Fourth Avenue, but that was happening in Columbus, Ohio, uh, in, in Indianapolis, Indiana. What's that? Westerville, Ohio. I mean, it was happening. The tentacles of prayer swept this country. 
for this lady right here in this family right here. So, okay, Marsha, what day did you get on the transplant list? And, and tell us that story. Um, I don't remember. It was probably Friday. I, I think it was a Friday, a Thursday. They told us that it was on the list and approved by insurance. And um, so we were okay. We were in the ICU, and it was late at night. It was like 10 o'clock at night and, and on a Friday. And then the doctors came in late at night, and the lights were dimmed. Emily and I are tucked in. We're like ready for a long night ahead of us. And they came in like they always do. They always made rounds later at night right before you're ready to go to sleep. And um, he said, well, um, I need to tell you something. And he said, we have a heart for you. And Emily jumped out of the chair and jumped the full length of the hospital bed <laughs> to the point that the doctor ducked because he thought <laughs> she was going to land on him. <laughs> and it, it was 30 hours from the time that I was listed to the time I told I had a gift. And, um, and it was uh, just a miracle. It was just a miracle. And, you know, it brings me, we sang a song earlier today in church. I call it Angel Armies. I don't think that's the correct title. But um, I just want to read some of the words to you um, that mean so much and surrounded uh, me a lot is that you hear me when I call through the darkness fills the night. And if you, you don't know, but unless you've had an ill an illness is that the nights are the hardest. They're the longest and the hardest. And the picture above me is before they, um, they all came in to wheel me out. This is where I was going to transplant. And I never um, was felt really scared. A little nervous, but I felt surrounded that the angel armies were around me and that this was going to be good on the other side. Um, and when there were bumps in the road, I was almost shocked that the, that, that would happen, though it was normal, so they tell me. But, um, but again, back to the song, it says, Through the darkness fills the night, whom shall I fear? You are my sword and shield, through trouble lingers still, whom shall I fear? In your hands I'm holding on, you are faithful, the God of angel, the God of angel armies, who is always on my side. And when I look out here, I see angel armies. I see Keith made reference to the tentacles of prayer. I have run into people I don't even know that tell me that they have been praying to me for me. People that uh, that reached out to just not my immediate family. They reached out here to Jessica and Ben and their friends in Indiana, their college friends. Everybody, um, my family, you know, there was um, the guys behind the scene, which would be like Ben and Ryan, who who had to kind of take over. Ben kind of was the outlier because he was in Indiana, and he was arranging babysitters and being home by himself so Jessica could be here with me. And Ryan, he was managing things at his home. His mom, Marlia, dropped what she was doing and came and stayed for a month in order to let Emily be free to do what she needed to do. Um, my brother and sister-in-law left in the middle of the night to come here and stay 10 days with mom. 
and, and then all of you who reached out and touched our family through prayer. We had three months of delicious meals. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and so um, we as a family could not be just more thankful and just felt like, you know, I really needed to let you know that you think maybe you can do more or what can I do and you don't know is just is to pray because it was felt. It was, we all felt it. You know, you go from a Thursday getting on the transplant, transplant list and then 30 hours later finding out you've got a, trans, a, a, heart, a new heart that's been donated. And then I think originally it was scheduled for that Saturday morning, but it ended up being Saturday evening when yeah, you had the transplant. it was almost 24 hours yeah. from the time. Told Crazy how God works 48 hours to make something like that happen. Let's, let's praise God. For Mike, when all this was going down, what, what's it like for the husband? I was a nervous wreck, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I was, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think it's any, I would just say those who've been through uh, ter turbulent times, you are fearful. You do have questions. You do question why. Why is this happening? How is this going to work out? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to... You start worrying about all the things that I have to do. And then slowly God just started revealing how he was going to take care of it all. And eventually everything worked out. We had two GoFundMes started that were we didn't even know about. And it basically covered all of our lost time at work. We had um, people providing food. I, I did want to say... Um, it's amazing what a meal does to someone who is in uh, need of it. And I want to say more important than, than even the great food that we received was knowing someone was coming to the door to talk with grandma and have someone pray with her and just talk about what was going on. So that made leaving her home uh, so much a whole lot easier. And I do really appreciate that. Um, the, your mind goes everywhere I would just say your mind goes everywhere those who've been through this know what I mean um, you, you, you just are in a fog and one thing the hospital revealed to us was we're going to take this one day at a time because you always want to know what's going to happen what's going to happen well they didn't know what was going to happen because every minute her, 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 her body was changing and you just had to go with the flow and so that was a a very interesting thing to accept. And it's just a beautiful story of how God <laughs> works and acts in our amazing. lives. And while all this is going on, I want give, give Emily the microphone. I want her to tell one more quick story of during this same year, just real quickly, what happened to Wyatt. Okay, well, um, even a month before Wyatt's, Laney started having seizures, and so we were admitted to the hospital for several days for that, and then a month later we were in the Smoky Mountains um, at Abrams Falls, which is inside of Cades Cove, and he had a terrible accident um, that he fractured his skull in two places and had a brain bleed, and um, it was really, really, really scary. We had no cell phone service, but there were 
we were two and a half miles in from the trailhead, and there were just angels everywhere. There was a strange couple who offered to walk with the kids back to the trailhead to meet us um, with the helicopter, and then the couple, the UPS man from Florida who carried Wyatt, ran with him, basically unconscious for two and a half miles, um, and who we're still in contact with. And then uh, we were in Knoxville for, I don't know, three or four days. But during that whole time, again, the meals and the prayers from the church and everybody who reached out to us was just amazing. And again, you just don't know how good that feels until it happens to you. Yeah. So we're thankful. Thank you for those of you that helped us. Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, fractured skull and a heart transplant. Okay. Who can top it? <laughs> Uh, just a great story. I want to read one more scripture about just the power of Jesus, and then we'll close. This is from Acts 13. Ironically, it's what uh, David Zwier preached on last week, but just to remind you, Acts uh, 3, verses 11 through 16. This is right after Peter had, uh, in the name of Jesus, had healed the lame beggar. While the man, uh, the beggar, held on to Peter and John... All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. He healed the lame man. He healed Marcia. He's healed us all of our sins, hasn't he? Marcia, one last thing. I, I just want, I can't go through all of this without saying about um, my gift and the donor family that I don't get emotional until I talk about my donor family. <laughs> because without their gift, I wouldn't be here. Um, some, during that, those hours that I waited for my turn to go to surgery and my, to receive my heart, somebody was saying goodbye. And so I was at my highest, somebody was at their very lowest. And they were unselfishly gave a gift. And for that, I'll be forever thankful. And hopefully someday I'll be able to meet that family if that is in their heart. And, and I understand if it may be too painful. But, um, but I hope to meet that person, that family if I can and thank them for the gift that they gave. Hence my t-shirt is <laughs> Donate Life. And if you're not an organ donor, 
Um, this is the real side of that. It seems like a far away thing. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to be an organ donor, but um, it's real and it really does happen. And my um, family, donor family, they probably gave more than one organ because it took so long from the time they said they had a, uh, a heart and they probably gave more gifts than just their heart because I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been at the bedside as a respiratory therapist as families have said goodbye as their loved one is going to go to surgery and they're going to give that gift. And never in a million years did I think I would be the person in the bed receiving the gift when I've over the years have prepared families and people as they give the gift. So for that, them, I will be forever grateful. And I always tell people, not as you pray for me, that you pray for the healing of that family as they um, are suffering too. And, you know, so always, always remember them in your prayers. Thank you, Marcia, and thank you, Cunningham.